0: Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management.
1: So on today's show, we have a special guest. This is somebody who I would consider to be a friend, and uh, he came into investment real estate how many months ago? Was it Ted?
0: Uh, I would say, you know, it's been a year at least, you know, pretty recently.
1: Yeah. And the, the cool thing, you know, hopefully for the listener about Ted, as you, you know, enjoy our conversation is that Ted is really smart. You know, early on in our conversation, Ted called yeah called me or we were connected through the realtor that was working with Ted that you've heard on this podcast. And he said, hey, you've got to talk to this guy and I'm not going to give away To the listener, what it is that you do for a living? Uh, But I find what your line of work just really interesting. And um, our initial conversation, I think, lasted at least an hour, and then there was probably a follow-up thirty-minute conversation after that. And uh, we just we were we immediately clicked. I felt so. This is Ted Huntington, and Ted, could you tell the listeners uh, what it is you do for a living?
0: Yeah, I basically um, I have a bachelor's degree in computer engineering, and I work at the University of California, Irvine, in the library's IT department. So I do IT.
1: But it's so much more than that, because to me, at least, I, you know, I've had a lot of friends that worked in IT, but they weren't, I don't think, managing access to the diverse range of information that you uh, are managing. I feel like working inside of li- the library information system is completely different than, say, working at a courthouse or working for a corporation. Am I wrong in that?
0: No, that's that's accurate. I think, you know, uh, the university, I love working in the university setting. There's a lot of um, intellectuals, a lot of people interested in learning. And then in the libraries, there's just a ton, a ton of information. And we help people to access that information. I mean, more and more of it is is uh, now in the electronic realm but we still do have actual physical books and journals there but uh yeah we've just seen really a massive transition from physical information books and so on to uh ebooks and uh, electronic uh you know information everything now is electronic it's uh just really an amazing uh change
1: it has been a, a tremendous transition i think you know i am married to a i think bibliophile is the word is that right Book lover. Yeah. And yeah. And sh- we have several built in bookcases uh, all over our house. And um, and she is constantly acquiring, you know, more physical books, you know, for, for for her to read, for the children to have access to to put down um, and, and pick back up again whenever she likes. And uh, so we're one of the rare, you know, people out there that I think are still purchasing actual written books, you know, from Amazon or uh, Barnes and Nobles or whatever. Yeah.
0: Oh, I don't think you're alone in that. I also am kind of a book collector myself. I especially love old um, books uh, that are important to the history of science in particular. Um, yeah. To me, I think that uh, not only are they incredibly good reads and they only are in print. I, I mean, some of them, I suppose, are now in E, but some of them are have been out of print for a long time. But also, I think they will be collector's items at some point because it's a bit of history, the book and um, you know, a lot of these uh, more famous books. And so some of them lesser known, but uh, important, at least in my my thinking.
1: Right, and I, and I would agree. It's it's interesting to watch what it is that my wife will download on an e reader on a Kindle. It's almost always fiction, or um, that she likes a lot of uh, mystery. You know, so like older mysteries, and she's very interested in in certain histories. But she, the the books that she purchase, uh, purchases, you know, for us to own, are usually about early childhood development or. Um, teenager development uh neurological development it's she wants to actually hold the things in her hands that influence the way that she interacts with the world in her daily life and uh, so it's been very interesting to see what it is you know how she makes that decision and what she wants to hold and then what she wants to download
0: yeah i still buy books even real estate books because i want to have a book, you know, if I'm like, you know, going, before I go to bed and reading or something, you know, it's nice to have a physical book. I don't want a a (laughs) e-reader, you know, I don't know something about It's just a little bit, uh, more familiar to me, I guess. I don't know.
1: Well, do you happen to have a, a favorite real estate book, uh, that really inspired you to get involved more in investment real estate?
0: Um, you know, I've read a lot of the more famous books like rich dad, poor dad, and you know, there's, some um, bigger pockets have produced a few good books and, but there's also like even some older, um, I can't remember the names, but like, um, just old school real estate investors, uh, you know, from um, even like 1950s and so on. Uh, I've read one of those books and I found it really fascinating, you know, how much cheaper houses, they're talking about, $20 $20 or $20,000, uh, you know, $10,000 houses, back then, you know, and, and, uh, doing, uh, the fixer uppers back then, how, you know, um, how to, to find a good fixer upper. And, um, I, yeah, I really don't have any one in particular, but I try to read all of them, especially where there are people who are doing their own property management and, and their experiences and their hints. Like, um, they always have helpful hints. Like, um, some people, uh, have found like the free version of team viewer and so on so they can remotely uh desktop you know and uh to their home computer and so on when they're on the go and uh yeah little text tips and techniques about oh you know tax auctions didn't know that much about those and and dealing with um auctions and other other avenues uh, the many ways that people uh can get deals in real estate. You know, I mean, there's just a ton of different techniques and strategies. My strategy, of course, is very, very tame and, you know, and uh, it's kind of the lazy person's uh, technique, I
1: guess. <laughs> well, what is that? What is your strategy?
0: My strategy is mostly, I'm a buy and holder of mostly turnkey properties. You know, I don't really do fix and flip or fix and rent even though there's a lot more money in it, I just kind of like to get into a property and start collecting rent, and uh, with minor repairs, I'm willing to pay a little bit more, you know, um, for a nice property. Uh, you know, so I kind of am taking the easy way out. But for me, I, time is very precious to me, and so I really don't want to be, you know, um, spending a lot of time with contractors and and uh, working with um, rehabs. And things like that. Like maybe in the future, I could see. You know, uh, I I might explore that. But um, and I think, kind of to a certain extent, it's maybe for younger people too, a little bit. uh, Generally, who people who really like uh, to get their hands dirty in there and and doing a lot of work and being hands-on in a rehab and learning a lot about how a lot of these houses and properties are constructed. In this phase of my life, I'm a little bit older, and so I'm kind of more just. uh, Hoping for the turnkey already ready to roll type of investment property.
1: You know, the the amazing thing is you don't sound older. Like I'm not sure what you would, would qualify as older. Um you don't have to tell us your age, but uh, you just you come across as very energetic and um and I don't know, just sort of optimistic about your view of real estate and your involvement and interaction with it, which is very refreshing.
0: Yeah, thanks. I mean, I'm 52. I, don't, I won't hide it. Um, yeah, but I think age also is just your perspective. Like if I, I really am a lover of life and, uh, and embrace challenges. And so, uh, yeah, thank you. I, um, I try to keep a keen mind and keep my mind active and uh, really interested in um, you know, history and, uh, and current events.
1: Well, can you tell us you know, about the experiences that you've had this far here in Memphis just in general? Have they been – I would assume they've been positive.
0: Yeah. Let me tell you the story about how I, I got connected with you. I uh, wanted to start investing in, in Memphis. I had seen another investor in Memphis who does a lot of stuff, um, Anton Martel. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he has a YouTube Channel and um, he does a lot of Memphis investment, and I thought, yeah, that really is a. It sounds like a good place to invest, and I did a lot of research with Zillow data, and um, you know, found that Memphis prices had been appreciating in all the major zip codes there in the last three years, and um, that the rent to value property uh, ratio was 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 high, and was a good place to invest. And uh, also, I, I enjoy that the the weather I think is it's in the southern. Tier of the United States, so it's better. And so I, I set about trying to find, you know, property managers. And I, I think I, I called and talked to every single property manager in Memphis and kind of sized them up on different policies. I mean, there's a lot of different um, things involved, issues involved with property management, and um, you know, they have to have good communication, they have to be on top of things, and a lot of different. I had a lot of different parameters. It's been so long, I don't really remember all of them. But I went through and I I ranked uh, EPM you know up there. I thought you guys really uh, have a good uh, professional uh, you know setup there, and so ultimately I um, pump Brett and uh, who I enjoy is basically my uh, my real estate agent in Memphis. I'm happy with him, and and you all as property managers, and uh, so that really worked out, and I'm, I'm very happy with you all. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I got started in there. And just started acquiring properties, and um you know that's that's where I'm at now,
1: well, I really appreciate what you have just said about property management. I was speaking to another investor who's about to come on with us. she's out of Utah, and uh, we were just chatting about property management and investment real estate, and I was speaking to her about a specific topic, some of the challenges that we've had during covid with this sort of uncertainty as to whether or not there is a requirement of a tenant to pay their rent if they're not able to pay their rent. we talked about the private contract that the landlord has with the tenant, and should the CDC be able to step in and, and interrupt that if the tenant is, for whatever reason, considered to be at risk for for being displaced? And uh, we just had this incredibly detailed conversation about you know the federal government versus contract law versus real estate ownership. And I finally just stopped and said, you know, listening to myself, I said, only a landlord would nerd out about this stuff. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just, I, li- I think about this all the time. I send myself articles all the time that I find online. And so, um, we really love what we do, you know, and I'm grateful that you've picked up on that.
0: Yeah. I think it takes a certain kind of mindset to do what you do there. And I think it takes like, you know, somebody who's really, uh, good with management you know in particular
1: yeah well thank you Um, there's definitely a translation that goes on you know, for the homeowner. Um, so, for the listeners, uh, I've never met Ted in person. I look forward to it one day. Um, you know, just coming out to Southern California and 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 just kind of seeing what's there and and meeting some investors. And Ted is definitely at the top of the list, just because I like you and I have already talked about you know meeting. I think at one point and like just either having a cup of coffee or a beer or something. And um, yeah, just getting to see your your world, which I think would be very interesting
0: yeah absolutely or or in memphis i may i may uh find myself in memphis at some point
1: please yeah i think um i think if we can get through you know fall of 21 and past the spring of 22 and sort of work our way through this new stage you know of the pandemic then i think we're going to be in a much better place next year at least my fingers are crossed for that me too yeah can you tell me a little bit about the properties that you own right now? It sounds like you've worked with Brett before to acquire them. And and uh, I think your financing strategy is actually very interesting.
0: I pay all cash. I have uh, currently I have six single family houses. They're all rented out currently in Memphis. And um, I try to choose I, you know, I uh, try to choose areas that I think are good up and coming sort of um, gentrifying areas. And uh, yeah, so um, mostly it's around the Egypt area, kind of where Nike and Amazon are. Yeah, it's just single-family houses, and they're you know they're all currently rented. My, I'm a very, I'm sort of a newbie to investing. I, I have kind of a funny story. I mean, in 2005, I um, I was working in the business office in the library uh, for a very uh, astute business office manager who told me, you know, with housing prices in 2005 going up so much you should really, you should go buy a house. And I said, well, you know, houses are so super expensive. uh, I I don't think, yeah, I can't possibly afford one. And she said, buy a condo. And I said, well, what's a condo? I don't even know. (laughs) This is how clueless I was, you know, in 2005. I didn't even know really that a condo is, it's like an apartment, but you own it, you know? Um, And so that really kind of began my investing career. I bought a condo and then ultimately years later, I rented that one out and bought a house and, then sold that and, and bought more rentals, you know, and bought my rentals in Memphis. And uh, so I'm still really a, an amateur rookie, you know, newbie investor, but I wish, you know, I wish I'd gotten into real estate in my twenties. I I honestly was clueless for so long that now finally I'm uh, starting to realize what a valuable uh, thing investing in real estate is, especially in Memphis.
1: Absolutely. I do want to point something out that you've said that I think most, I don't know, they're in a different place in their investing career than you are. And I'm going to make this point. We know that the majority of our listeners, even if it's just 51%, are people who are considering getting started in real estate, and they don't yet own investment properties and they haven't really, you know, they're listening, they're reading some books, they're reading some blogs, maybe they're getting their financing together, but they still haven't taken that leap. And so something that you've done actually makes you quite at least an intermediate You know, in in investment real estate. And that's that you've actually done it. I mean, this, what you've done does take risk and it takes, it takes a leap of faith. And the fact that you've actually acquired six properties in about a year, that is incredible.
0: Yeah. You have to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I don't think anybody will ever get any gain if they, if they're not willing to step out of their comfort zone a little bit to learn something new. You know, I think that's really the key. You have to work, you have to break a sweat, you know, and get a little bit of uh, get on the phone and and start feeling it out. And that's how, through through talking to the various property managers around Memphis, I started to feel more comfortable about going forward. They, you know, I think you all answered every one of my questions, no matter how how small. So yeah, I I think that yeah, that's the key. Like going and getting out of that comfort zone and giving it a try. And even with just one property, and seeing how it goes, yeah, I can see totally. It's it's really a matter of taking that, you know, um, doing a little bit of that work so you feel comfortable with what you're going to be doing, and learning the process. There's a little bit of learning involved, you know, it's a learning curve, but it's I think ultimately worth it because there are so many people who are afraid of that, even starting up that mountain,
1: right? Absolutely. You know, like, it's kind of like what we talked about, was I, no, I was talking to somebody else. Again, this was another investor I was speaking to today, right before speaking to you, you know, investing in real estate is a lot like something I just did, which I know tons of people have done. It's not that big of a deal, but about four weeks ago, my son and I climbed Pikes Peak in Colorado Springs. And the the initial part of the climb, which is uh, the first six miles, you know, from about 5,000 feet above sea level all the way up to about 8,500, 9,500 feet above sea level, it was pretty easy. And then as we continued past the halfway point, it became, you know, kind of difficult until you got to the top. And um, it took us six and a half, seven hours to do the whole length of it. But we were at fourteen thousand five hundred feet above sea level, and the view was incredible. The headache was unbelievable, um, <laughs> but it was so totally worth it. But that first step, like you're talking about, that's that's it might even be the most difficult one. Exactly. You've said just now that you've invested in California, you know, you've had a condominium and a house. I, I don't know if you're in a house right now or, but, but we know that you've got some experience there in California. How would you compare owning real estate in California versus owning real estate here in Memphis?
0: Well, I, I personally I, I only want to own real estate in California in which I will be living and occupying because, you know, I think that, um, It's much, personally, I am only going to be investing in other states because there are big differences between California and Tennessee and a lot of the other Midwest states. California is very sort of more tenant friendly and and Tennessee is more landlord friendly, I would say. And it's just uh, in terms of investing, but then also the ROI uh, in California well for one thing there really isn't one <laughs> you know i mean the price of real estate in california is just so unbelievably high that it just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to buy a, a, a investment properties unless you're really a multi-millionaire you know uh, the midwest is far more of a normal market for somebody with just you know a smaller amount of income looking to get into you know and, and start investing in in rentals, yeah, I, I far prefer you know Memphis, and I, I really will not. I learned a, a variable, a valuable lesson investing in California. I mean, I had a, my condo, and the rent coming in could not even cover the the property tax and the mortgage payment and the insurance and so on. So it was, I was losing, I think, a couple hundred every month. It wasn't cash flowing in any way, and it's really the exact opposite in Memphis, you know, you can get into a property without too much and you know the rent will be enough to make it cash flowing. Property taxes are not outrageous. Insurance is not not too too high. So um it's just all around a no-brainer. You know, I I I tell people, you know, I, I have friends who invest in California, do rentals in California. And I I uh I just think it's really a losing battle for most people who are not billionaires, <laughs> you know. I think.
1: Yeah. So we've found the same here. Um, you know, when I first got started in investment real estate here in Memphis, um, and this would have been, you know, my, my ear was kind of to the ground around 97, 98, and then they um, got my license in 2000 and really started assisting investors about that time. And one of the things that I noticed about the Memphis area is that there were more people from outside of uh, the Memphis, Tennessee area that were investing in Memphis, that there were uh, people that lived in my own community. And I began to sort of learn why that was. And I think that uh, people from outside, especially specifically Southern California, I mean, we have at least 40% of all of our investors are live in Southern California right now. And I think that they've realized, and, and for a long time had realized the same thing, which is that the value to rent, or the rent to value, I should say, is so much better in the Memphis, Tennessee area, even back before the boom, this most recent boom that we're in right now, which kind of started around 2015, 2016. You were still able to get almost a one-to-one ratio of the, let's say that you had a mortgage on the property and it was an 80% mortgage. You were still getting you know uh 10 to 20% above uh the total cost of ownership and and that would have been you know your mortgage and your taxes and in, in any interest that you're we paying 10 to 20% above that and now what's happened of course here in Memphis one of the things that's driving rents up all over the country is that even though interest rates are at an all-time low the normal owner occupant is having such a difficult time finding affordable property to purchase here in Memphis and so they're resorting to renting because they still want to have that homeownership experience so they're they're renting property instead of being you know being able to purchase it because they're they're honestly fighting investors for these same properties on the the rent growth point that we uh, that I want to make sure that we get to today and have a conversation about that. Again, homewire.com had an article that was released this morning and it talked about the rent growth capacity for the remainder of this year, and it's almost exactly like that figure that I gave before about housing value growth being 12% for the, for the year, and how this is the first time that a, a number like that has been achieved since 1979, and rents are the same way. We were experiencing that, what you kind of touched on earlier, that sort of inflationary factor. You know That was there. We're seeing nationwide projected rent growths, which will, in essence, put all of our rental properties at an annual rate of about 10 to 12 percent overall increase from January to December, which seems small. But as a property manager, here's a neat thing. One of the things I've been doing lately is just asking for more these properties that are coming in, the, the, the buyers will say, well, well, I think I can get 12 or $1,300 per month for this property. And I'll say, you know what, why don't we go and ask for 1500, you know, let's just, let's just go for it and see what the market will support. And um, I'm finding that the market for now, at least is supporting these inflated rental amounts.
0: Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. Absolutely. Rents are going up. I rent currently right now here in California, my rent just went up. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's not strictly in Memphis. It's happening all over.
1: Did you say that you owned investment properties in other locations other than Memphis? No, only
0: Memphis currently. I am looking maybe to branch out uh, sometime in the future, but pretty much Memphis is it for me right now.
1: That's awesome. Do you have a vision for next year? Like you're a well-read person. I know that you're a constant student just like me. You've got to have been reading articles projecting, you know, what the real estate market is going to look like in 2022. Do you do you have any read on that personally?
0: Yes, mostly it's the most important for me in terms of um, how how home prices are going to look here in California. Um, I'm really waiting. Is there going to be a correction or not? Uh, you know, and that's I think we, will be it will be revealed by 2022 if we're going to see any fallout really from COVID or not. And uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking I may get into a house for myself, you know, and uh, it's going to be, you know, I'm kind of holding off because it's going to be a big house payment. And, uh, you know, it's going to take all my resources to buy a house at these prices. But yeah, I mean, my plan for 2022 is to buy a house for myself, most likely, depending on market conditions. If there's no real serious change, most likely I will be going ahead and buying a house. But if there, if we see prices starting to correct, then I will wait, you know, and and see uh, how, how far they may go down if they do. But yeah, then probably I'll start resuming, maybe getting back into uh, Memphis rentals, more Memphis rentals. That's kind of my plan for 2022. Well, I think it's
1: brilliant. We've had several investors this year that have done very different, m- more imaginative financing um, techniques and strategies to improve their own home you know, or apartment, uh, wherever it is that they're living or that they want to live on the back of the value growth that they've experienced with their Memphis properties.
0: Um, yeah, so. a- absolutely. Yeah, I-, I could see doing maybe some cash out refying on some of my properties. Now, currently, I've only uh, financed one. Uh, all the rest I own all cash. So, um, and they have appreciated, as you say, you know. So, um, yeah, that's a great option to uh, if you want to generate some uh, some cash for maybe another uh, purchase. You know, that's a great way to do
1: that. Yeah, I think we, you know. <sighs> I really have no analogy for it, but you know, for the listener that doesn't yet own investment real estate, we've got a little bit of a, of a story to tell you, a secret to tell you, which is that, you know, being in the game of investment real estate, being in that world is what makes you money. You can't make money off of real estate unless you own it. I mean, you just can't. For instance, a lot of my investors that owned property, you know, all the way back, purchasing it all the way back in 2005, 2002, in the late 90s, these people who, like Ted, purchased and held these properties during more normal Economies, they experienced all the benefits of, of investment real estate ownership without seeing this massive value growth. And so for investors looking to realize that cash and take advantage of that value growth that purchased, say, around 2014 through 2017, so many of those investors said, you know what? This has been great. I've really enjoyed the last six years of owning this real estate and I'm out. And, uh, and they sold and man, they left the experience with smiles on their faces. They were so pleased that they were able to double their money in six years and eight years. And for my investors that purchased 20 years ago, of course, they've more than tripled their money. Ted, I totally think you should do that. I think you should cash out refi wherever you want to be. It's great interest rates. You've made, you know, great value growth on these things. It's, you got to do it. Yeah. Absolutely, It's the smartest, smart move. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of dovetails back to what I said before. I, I actually said these words. I said, investing in real estate is hard. And what I meant by that is, is this, you know, I've got a mutual fund, right? And you probably do too. You've got some sort of, you know, employer funded investment, you know, because of your, of where you work and, you know, they feed that maximum you know, matchable amount into your 401k or your mutual fund or your simple or traditional IRA, whatever it is. And they do that every year. You never see it. They take it out of your check. That's easy. Right. And I got to tell you, I've been even even in the midst of this amazing uh, economy, I've been looking at the, the Dow and and watching these value growths and then going over into my into my portfolio and, and, and looking to see how that's benefiting me. And really, there's no major year over year benefit. It's just, you know, that's a very controlled environment. It's not as, you know the high highs and the low lows that are possible in real estate. I do think that, you know, real estate is definitely an investment worthy of somebody like you and your intellect because you're able to engage it, manipulate it, imagine the possibilities of it, reorganize it. If you want to take out the value, infuse more value. So let's try to end on a a sort of a, a, a visionary note, if you will, for 2022, 2023. And let me tell you what I see. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. We do have a coming correction, you know, like there are several articles out there, Washington post, New York times, Homewire, Politico, you know, all kinds of different websites that are out there that are talking about the looming housing crisis. And so, from Memphis, Tennessee, you know, which is, um, there's only a million people here. When we consider what that housing crisis will look like, here's what we see. We don't necessarily see a correction in pricing. Um, We do see a softening in the contract negotiation capacity of the seller. So, basically, they're the sellers are not going to just be able to ask for whatever they want and get it. Sellers are going to have to—they're going to have to accept negotiations that are, you know, at or around asking or below asking price. They're going to have to give concessions and maybe even make repairs. So that's new. You know, right now what we've been seeing nationwide is that sellers just get to ask for whatever they want and they get it. So the first thing is that the market's going to soften a little bit. The second thing, of course, is that as these eviction protection laws or, you know, whatever we want to call them expire, you know, you're going to see foreclosures. You're going to see uh, houses that are locked up by tenants not paying their rent, refusing to move, not being allowed in the courts to be evicted. They're, they're finally going to be loosened up. There's going to be more liquidity in the courtroom and we're going to see so many more properties available for purchase. That's kind of what we're seeing happening, you know, starting in 2022, unless there's some sort of major change that of course we can't see coming.
0: That's great to hear. So do you think there's going to be like a price reductions or you think prices are just going to kind of hold and, you know, and there's just going to be softening in negotiations?
1: So I think, you know, real estate is stratified, if you will, right? Like, I can just imagine, you know, a property near UC Berkeley that you could be interested in purchasing. I imagine it being like a 1930s built bungalow or, you know, some sort of like really awesome older construction type property. I could be wrong. I don't know what Berkeley's like.
0: Yeah, they have older buildings there that just go for exorbitant prices. <laughs> right. And I'm sure they're gorgeous. It's in the eye of the beholder. I think it's a, it's older houses. Yeah, I'm sure some of them are. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, you know, if, if the same house there, you know, that you might be looking to purchase is is in sort of the upper middle income to upper income strata. You know, here in Memphis. And so you asked if if the price prices, average prices or pricing was going to drop or if there's going to be a softening in, in pricing. I would say on the lower income strata, absolutely. And here's one of the reasons why. I know some of the properties you purchased in that price range, sellers are able to get more for those properties than ever before. What I believe is going to end up happening is that the actual real value Of Those properties is going to soften to where investors aren't going to be as willing to spend the full asking amount. They're going to go in with home inspections. There's going to be more time for the buyer to be able to get a feel for the property before they make an offer. Right now, there's just no time. Right, like you've just got to, you got to jump in, you got to, you know, put out that repair, a uh, contingency, you know, an inspection contingency, and if if the house is full of holes, then you go, you know what, I'm not even going to negotiate, I'm just going to walk away, because that's the smart thing to do in this kind of market. So I think that the buyer is going to have more time. And that's probably probably the most important thing, and I think sellers are going to be willing to wait for the buyer to make decisions, because uh, right now you know sellers are in a position to where if you if you don't purchase it and move quickly and have all cash with no uh, inspection contingency and you just and you want to close in one week, you know that's the kind of buyer that sellers are looking for, and so I think there are going to be more sellers that want to say, hey, you know, let me really kick the tires on this house and get a feel for it. I do think, you know, just talking about strata, I think that the upper income housing in Memphis and the surrounding areas, which really start around 750 you know, three quarters of a million all the way up to, you know, 2 and $3 million properties on average. And of course, they are palaces that are, you know, so much more expensive. I think that that is really where you're going to see pricing soften because there's just, not going to be as much of a demand uh, for that type of construction. And then the middle-income housing is going to be the same as it always is, just very competitive. So depending on what type of investor you are and how much money you want to spend and and all of that, you're going to you know experience something different within that. Here's the good news, and I, I want to end on a high note, and then if there's anything else that you'd like to say, I'd love to hear it. The good news is this. History has proven that rent- Amounts and the just the, the amount of money that the average tenant is willing to pay, uh, for real estate, you know, and f- in, in our case, it's single family income is a trailing indicator of overall economic condition. Several articles that I've recently read talked about how rents are following the increase in property values, right? Because rents are speculative. There's so much more speculative than housing value. You know, housing value is based on the recent sales. It's based on, um, you know, recent appraisals, recent refinancing, recent financing. And so, you know, those are that's a pretty set figure how much that property is actually worth. Well, rents are speculative. They've got to either come up or drop based on what the buyer is willing to pay. So what's happening right now in the Memphis area, at least, is that there is no product to rent. Basically can almost ask for whatever you want. As it is a trailing indicator, even when there is a softening in the market, say six months to 12 months to 18 months from now, rents should remain high for the next, I'm going to speculate, 18 to 30 months if there's a correction. So for people who like you who own real estate, I would say, you know, let's renew that lease. Let's, let's increase that rent. You know, let's really take advantage of this great economy.
0: Yeah. That's the big question. Is this bull um, market, going to continue in 2022 and you know one interesting thing if you look at the numbers I'm really hoping that we see a lot more inventory come online onto the MLS and for sale, um, because I, I was hearing somewhere that in 2020, a million people, like the number of people who list every year is very kind of constant. And um, there was sort of a shortage of a million people in 2020 who chose not to list their property and then add that to the number of people who have not been paying their, their mortgage who are in forbearance, uh, which is maybe another million or something uh, just for the United States and what are they going to do when they come out of this forbearance are they going to sell what's going to happen are they going to get a a loan modification or whatever i think there's a there's a kind of a good chance i'm really hoping that we're going to see more inventory now can this bull market of of buyers absorb that that's a, a good question i mean there's a lot of demand interest rates are very low and so um it very well may be that yes, there's a there's an increase in inventory, a lot of more houses come online, but the the demand is so bullish, you know, uh, that uh, and so high that uh, it really will not even make a dent in in uh, housing prices. You know, that's really uh, yet to be seen. I think we'll see that in 2022 and 2023, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I, I think we'll see it. I think when we get into the second quarter, especially, and we're able to look back on Q4 of this year and Q1 of next year, we will see a two quarter trend of more properties on market, you know, for I know you're probably reading this or watching this, but, you know, listeners, I just want to encourage you to look up uh, the National Association of Realtors uh, data that's out there. It's free for you to get. They release it every quarter. Um, They honestly, for for us realtors, they release it every month and they'll tell you how many new units were put on the market, you know, listed and uh, whether or not that's gone up and down the same thing for new construction. That that's also very informative uh, to a buyer as to you know what the climate is right now, and and, and to watch that. I actually agree with you, Ted. I think you're, we're going to see a ton of new property on the market, and um, you know on the matter of forbearance. Another statistic that I read this morning was that right now anywhere from 0.9 to one point nine percent of all residences are in some form of forbearance. It's That's not a small huge. number. Yeah, no, it's no massive. massive. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, just depending on how those people, you know, deal with the fact that they're no longer protected uh, from foreclosure or from some sort of, you know, debt collection action against them, it, it will inform the the open market very quickly. I One last thing. Uh, before we go, I hope that we can begin to talk about, and, and I want to talk to you about this as well, um, how to take advantage of the upcoming foreclosure uh, uh, acquisition opportunities that are there. You know, they won't be amazing deals with the foreclosures, but they could be five to ten to fifteen percent below market. that there's a lot of room right there, you know, so that would, that's going to be fun to watch. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I know you said this is more or less on your lunch break, which is, which is great. I think we're right about at an hour. So I apologize if you're clocking back in late, but, um, but thank you so much for coming on.
0: Sure. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Uh, great to chat with you. Always a pleasure. Yeah
1: here as well. And um, look forward to talking to you more soon.
0: For sure. For sure. Thank you, Aaron. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at EPMRealEstate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management Inc.